Let's pray again. Father, we thank you that uh, you are here through your spirit. And may you be glorified through what I say, what I think, what I do. But also for all of us here that we may say the same. That as we think and do and speak and interact, that you would be the centre. And all of God's people said, Amen. I think I've said here before that when I was being dragged up in the uh, rural parts of Australia, that uh, I was warned about churches and Christians, that Christians were merely deluded and dangerous fools, and churches were dangerous places and should be avoided at all costs. Well, that's a dangerous thing to say to a teenager who is by nature rebellious. So I naturally rebelled and fell into church, much to the chagrin of my father. And that was the start of a process of about 30 years now that I've been a follower of this Jesus. It's been an exciting journey of ups and downs. I don't remember much of it. But I do know that this Jesus whom I follow and whom I seek to serve has been with me through each and every bit of it. That much I know. I know that I know that I know. And after my conversion and baptism, I was taken in hand and discipled one-on-one. And once a week for about a year, I had a midweek meeting with a mentor for prayer, Bible study, accountability and guidance. Part of that was to go read a book like Knowing God by J.I. Packer, come back and explain a chapter of it. Thank you very much. And from my observation of Christianity today, that experience now would be very rare. As discipleship is generally in the control of a home group, And that works well if that new convert gets some form of Bible study, prayer and accountability. More often than that, more often than not though, I don't think that's the case. And the home group is more an extended social club. Or we're just told to get on with it ourselves and the church really isn't interested in helping us in lifelong discipleship outside of Sundays and home groups. And the Christianity I see today is uh, broad and wide. But it is also in large parts wafer thin. There appears to be not much depth to it. And the very idea of discipleship is almost anathema in some church circles today. And dare I say, that's why churches are depleting across this land even within those that would identify themselves as evangelical. People in those churches may know what to believe, but they probably do not know why they believe it or how it affects their behaviour. People coming in the front door and going out the back door, that's if they even enter a church in the first place. I know many Christians who don't attend a church regularly for all sorts of reasons. So given that, what does it mean 
to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what does it mean? Firstly, let's look at what a disciple is. As I've said, the words disciple and discipleship are almost dirty words in some church circles today. I guess it's because we don't like the root word discipline. And a Christian disciple is somebody who has accepted Jesus' call on their life and they are a follower and learner of him. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, where Jesus is speaking and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Familiar words for some of us, I'm sure. And in those verses, Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make other disciples. Note Jesus did not say, go and make converts, although conversion is part of the discipleship process. Billy Graham once said, to only go around making converts and not offering some form of discipleship and aftercare is a form of spiritual abuse. Many people have been hurt down through the years this way. It's like leaving a newborn baby floundering for help only for the cries to go unheard. No, Jesus said to go train people, give instructions to others about this new way of living and mark them with baptism. And if you're a Christian here tonight, you are a product of those very same disciples some 2,000 years later. Discipleship of Jesus means that we are to train, be trained, instruct and be instructed in the way of the life that Jesus showed. And to listen to some churches today, Christian discipleship is all about some form of spiritual belief where it's just believing, nothing to do with training, instruction and following Jesus' way in life. I've heard people preach it. I know that that's what they preach. And too many Christians I talk to and know have fallen into the belief that belief is enough. Note I did not say they were not saved. Oh, they may have their salvation, but they're holding on to that salvation by their fingernails rather than having a full grip. They are being taught that church is all about having a high entertainment value. They're being taught either implicitly or explicitly that they don't have to work out their own salvation. They're being taught that they don't have to take up their own cross daily. I know they are being told that because that's what they tell me they are being told. I've talked to them. I haven't hit anyone yet. And a disciple of Jesus Christ is not just somebody who believes in him. Rather, being a disciple means accepting Jesus' call to follow him, to follow him radically and letting him permeate every aspect of your life. How's your wow factor of Jesus? And discipleship involves taking up your cross daily in response to Jesus' command over your life. Note it says taking it up daily. 
not as a once in a lifetime offer or even once a week on a Sunday or if you're really good twice on a Sunday is that you? so if that's what a Christian disciple is the next obvious question is what is the goal of being a Christian disciple? In the letter of 1 John in chapter 2, it says this, the apostle of love, John writing, we know that we have come to know Jesus if we obey his commands, or commands if you're English. The person who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. The ultimate goal for anybody who would claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be radical and living a life worthy of that Jesus undergoing constant life change and transformation. How's your wow factor about Jesus now? A Christian disciple is somebody learning to be like Jesus in every facet of life, practicing his presence with them every second of every day and so engaging their life with him so that he truly lives through them. It's living a life which reflects Jesus, the Son of God, by total submission to the Holy Spirit, which is to the praise of God the Father. Amen? It's not done out of some slavish form of guilt, as the young Martin Luther, but born out of a desire and a love of the more mature Martin Luther. Martin Luther, my mate whose wife used to uh, brew beer in the bathtub. So Christian disciples are to be radical and endeavouring to reach the goal of being Jesus to others. It's done by a constant renewing of the mind and having a willing heart to be transformed. It's by loving others in such a way that the end of a Christian disciple's generosity is only when their own resources have expired. How generous are you towards other people particularly those others who are not in your close circle of friends and not just in material things but in your words of encouragement how's your wow factor of Jesus now you know, a Christian disciple is to live and walk as Jesus did imitating Jesus and obeying his command to take up their cross daily and follow him closely a life imitating Jesus, not out of guilt, but out of love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it like this. I'm sure that if you've been around a while, you've heard these familiar words. When Jesus Christ calls a person, he bids them die. Die to their own selfish self. Dying to oneself is the loving of others in action. Again, that's not a popular message in, in churches today. Loving others sacrificially is radically showing Jesus' command to love one another and putting those words into practice. You can have all the head knowledge you like, 
But if you're not putting it into practice, it's worthless. That means all disciples of Jesus Christ are expected to be self-sacrificing, having taken up their own cross daily, looking to the interests of others before fulfilling their own interests and desires. How is that for being radical disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, particularly in a community out there? How else can people out there in the community know that we love God? If not by seeing that we love each other and them with an extravagant generosity. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is being called to a life of total loving obedience and freely submitting to Jesus Christ. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is freely letting that obedience and submission permeate every area of life. How's your wow factor about Jesus now? And as Christian individuals, whether we like it or not, we're linked together in a Christian community through rebirth. And our relationship exists only through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Look around you now. That person next to you at the end of the row is a Christian. Then you're in relationship with them through Jesus Christ. And like it or not, you're in relationship with me through Jesus Christ. That person in another church in this town who is in relationship with Jesus Christ is in relationship with you through that same Jesus Christ. Whether you like it or not, that is fact. You can't escape that person, however much you may like to think that you can. They are family. And when you get to heaven, guess what? They're probably going to move in next door. I wouldn't, because I wouldn't want to be so irritating. No, we as Christian disciples are interdependent upon each other. The church community of disciples of Jesus Christ is to be dynamic by nature. And within the church of Ringwood, and by that I mean all the Christians within the town, in this community, there are too many individualistic Christians. Not just Ringwood, but certainly in the Western church in general. And that, I think, is one of the great failings of 21st century Christianity. Broad, but wafer thin. Doesn't take too much to break it. There are far too many Christians who want all the benefits of being a disciple, but they don't want the responsibility of working at living and growing as a disciple. For instance, if we say, I love my neighbour, and yet I refuse to help when that person needs help, what does that tell your neighbour? It doesn't mean, it doesn't tell him that you love him or her, does it? And who is your neighbour? Well, again, look around. Loving others is an endemic part of living as a Christian disciple. Loving God and loving others shows you are reaching towards the ultimate goal for any Christian disciple which is to be radical and living a life worthy of that same Jesus Christ who is your master. That's undergoing constant life change and transformation. Now we're going to have a break for a couple of minutes and I'm going to put a couple of questions up on screen so that you can delve deeper and have a couple of minutes to yourself to ponder. And then Dennis is going to lead us 
in the song. So first question, how have I taken up my own cross in order to follow the master servant Jesus? And question two, how have I wanted all the benefits of being a disciple but not the responsibility? Let's now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As 21st century people, we're inculcated to uh, think that success is instant. If we want something, we can just go get it now. We like everything instantly. We want it now, and if we don't get it now, watch out. You ought to try being at me with traffic lights behind someone who doesn't move as soon as it turns green. That's why the car's got a horn. We live in an instant society which wants everything now and to be gratified instantly. Just a cursory look down the high street will tell you that with some of the slogans. I won't give any companies free advertising here. But success, I am sure you are well aware is not instant. Ask those Olympic medalists if their success was instant. And they just turned up to London two and a half weeks ago and thought, oh, I'd like to look at that modern pentathlon. Never played it before, but it looks like fun. Of course they didn't do that. Those pentathletes take a lot of hard graft and determination or marathon running. How's your marathon running, Fitzy? <laughs> but you succeeded, didn't you? And it was hard graft. And the same is true in living successfully as Christian disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ. It can be hard work. And if we're honest, we know that sometimes it is. It's not a doddle. But at the same time, we're not left alone to do anything in our own strength. But we have the strength of the almighty Holy Spirit who lives within us. Wow. Living as a Christian disciple is not a matter of expecting spiritual maturity to occur overnight. It's an exciting journey with many wow factors throughout. Hence the picture of a road as a journey. And fullness of life is achieved as we allow Jesus Christ to live this fullness of life through us so that we start to think and respond as he would to the people and the circumstances around us. And where we're learning to see circumstances and people from God's perspective rather than reacting on the basis of feelings. Yes, it's hard but it's worth it. And it can be done if we rely on the Holy Spirit who lives within us and empowering us. And a vital part of living is growing. Just as babies grow to be adults. They go from, from milk to meat. And the process of growing, becoming more like Jesus is one of those big words of theology. Sanctification. It's like the transformation of a caterpillar caterpillar I don't know what a caterpillar is. Caterpillar into a butterfly. 
It's a cleansing and a yearning to live a life worthy of the master servant Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's a difficult path. But nobody said that growing to be more like Jesus would be easy. Jesus certainly did not say that. But he is with us through the Holy Spirit who is within you. How easy we forget that. Often the Holy Spirit's the forgotten member of the Trinity. Is he not? Now you may well ask, that if I'm growing and being sanctified, why do I still continue to sin? Firstly, you sin because you choose to sin. No one else can take the rap. Old hairy legs devil may tempt you, and those people out there may tempt you to sin, but it's only you that does the sinning. So we're not to succumb to the wiles and the ways of the devil and the world. Tell them to get lost. Tell old hairy legs to go get his legs waxed. He will have to flee in the name of Jesus. So what can we do? As Christian disciples, again, we're not left alone to fend for ourselves. We can overcome sin and temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit who was promised by Jesus to come and live with inside us. The Holy Spirit works in us and assists us. We may struggle in our own strength, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome. Remind yourself that temptation itself is not sin. Old hairy legs loves to tell you that it is, but it's not. Otherwise, Jesus himself would have sinned. And we know that even though he faced constant temptation, we know for certain that he did not sin. Because if he had sinned, he would not be the perfect sacrificial lamb. Here's where theology becomes applicable. Are you still on milk or have you moved to meat? It's rather that as Christian disciples, having died and been raised with Jesus Christ, you can find that in Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4, we now live in the freedom of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Christian disciples aren't made of chocolate, melting under pressure. Have you ever put a piece of... I don't like chocolate, by the way, so I can do this with no guilt. I don't kill it. Get a piece of chocolate and put it in your hand. Guess how quickly it melts? Quickly. But we're not made of chocolate. I think there was a book by uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill called The Chocolate the Chocolate Soldier. It was about a Christian. Christian disciples aren't made of chocolate. No, we're born of the Spirit of God and his power is ever reliable. And we as Christian disciples are to love And if we do, and when we do succumb to temptation and sin, then we are to recognise that we have sinned and we need to repent quickly. Because unconfessed sin soon becomes a heavy burden. Old hairy legs loves to play mind games and he's better at it than you. Confession and repentance are needed. Not a confession born from constant grace, less guilt, but rather a repentance born from grace. In a lot of church services, that's why the confession of sin 
comes at the start of services. It is, as John Stott once said, penitence is to come before praise. Let's have a time once more to reflect again, to uh, delve a bit deeper with a couple of questions, and then after a couple of minutes, we'll have another song. So, first question, how can I live a life worthy of and pleasing to Jesus? Remember, he's your master, if you're a disciple. And question two, what pressures am I constantly confronted by? John 3.16, perhaps the, the verse almost everybody knows. For God so, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Lots of those who claim to be Christian would also claimly, uh, rightly claim that. But we're not just to leave our Christianity there at John 3.16. We are to press on and be one John 3.16 people. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Not only are we to live and grow as disciples, we are also to go on and persevere as disciples. As I said, yes, I know sometimes life can be difficult. But we can persevere because we have the living God within us, empowering, encouraging, and sometimes giving us a kick up the bum. Or is that just me? And he empowers, comforts, consoles and counsels, ever encouraging us onwards and upwards. At least that's my experience of him. And not only are we to live as, a Christ, as disciples, we're also to grow as Christian disciples. And not only are we to grow, we are to persevere. And as a Christian disciple... Here's a hallmark to signify that we are persevering. That hallmark is servant. The word servant, as I'm sure you know, is key in scripture. It's mentioned over 500 times or some phenomenal figure in its various derivatives. And the supreme servant Jesus talked about it a lot, as well as living a life of service. And when we Christian disciples serve, God's honour is released because service shows the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ to those who are being served and to those who are watching. That's to be our motive for service, the release of God's honours, honour, and he is glorified. Serving's never to be about what we and we can get out of it. When that's the motive, God's not glorified, is he? Serving's to be born out of a love and for no other reason. And we can choose to serve selfishly as Judas did, or we can choose to serve lovingly like John did. God's glory, honour and supremacy are to be the goal of the Christian disciple's service. Spiritual growth comes from serving. That's because whatever is given in service of God and others, faith grows, and Jesus Christ gives back even more. Why do we do the things we do for the church and others? Is it motivated out of love or is it motivated out of some vain, self-satisfying glory and duty? And serving others is a, a sign of faith in God and trusting in him. 
It's a visible aspect of invisible faith. Service is the outward expression of inner belief. Service is theology in practice. Got theology? Good. How are you showing it? Serving is an outward expression of inner faith and external working out of your salvation. Serving God and others is the mark of a spiritually mature or spiritually maturing Christian disciple and through service the greatest servant of all, Jesus Christ, is reflected and glorified. How's your wow factor about Jesus now? It's one of the main hallmarks of a living, growing and persevering disciple of Jesus. And not only are we to serve, but we're also to show our dependency on others by allowing them to serve us when we're in need. Again, this is countercultural, a culture where people are to be independent of other people. Remember Jesus washing the feet of his disciples and what he said to Peter when Peter protested about having his feet washed? Mm, how's your wow factor about Jesus now? As Christians, we are interdependent upon each other in the same way that my arm is dependent upon my leg to stand here. That's why we serve each other and use generously, generosity for the benefit of others what we have been given by God. The gospel is God helps those who cannot help themselves. It is not that old maxim, God helps those who help themselves. That's not the gospel. And yet so often we deny it. We want it for ourselves. But more often than not, we're not willing to have that attitude towards others. An endemic part of discipleship is our active work of service, loving others and allowing others to serve and love us. That's all to the glory of God alone through Jesus Christ in the creative power of the Holy Spirit. As Christian disciples, we are to be just Jesus Christ to, to the other people to serve and be served by submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit and his authority. By doing this, the lives of other people could be changed for the glory of God. Perhaps your neighbours, the ones who play music too loud, or don't uh, always empty their rubbish bins. And I know people who are worried about how others are serving. Well, don't worry about how that other person is serving God and other people. Be more concerned how you yourself are serving God and other people and why you are doing it. People can be changed for God's greater glory because of your acts of service and worship. Now, a further couple of questions to ponder for ourselves for a couple of minutes and then we'll start to wrap it up. How can I both improve my serve and allow others to serve me? And question two... Why do I do what I do for others? And now lastly, very briefly, you may be glad to know, we have a warning. The Apostle Paul, writing in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Contrast those Pauline values to those of our society, where morality can be summed up with this kind of attitude. Good is self and self is good. Greed is good and good is greed. It's used in advertising to great effect. 
Again, a brief walk down the high street will show you that. That's where the importance of one's own self is placed at higher importance than that of other people. Individualism imbued with self-reliance and personal independence. And even with, when help and compassion are offered, so often there are so many strings attached and hoops to be jumped through. And sadly, it's not just within society that this exists, but it has also infiltrated into some parts of the church. And where that occurs, it is the denial of the basic rule of compassion and mercy which dictates that Christian disciples are to be lovingly helping and serving other people because those others are also humans created in the image of God, loved by God, and so should be loved unconditionally by those who proclaim to be God's people, the church. And denying that basic needs to others is just selfishness. And it places others below our own selves. Individualism is not showing love towards others and can never be considered placing others higher than our own selves. It certainly could not be construed as serving other people to always place your own desires above those of others. And it's certainly not love, is it? Individualism hampers spiritual growth because it impedes loving others and our servanthood of God and others. So let's conclude quickly. I'm sure you want to get home to the opening ceremony which starts, you know, you've got another hour and a half. We've seen that those who claim to be Christian disciples are to live for Jesus, grow in maturity and keep on going forward, persevering in faith in Jesus. We discovered together that we are to train, be trained, instruct and be instructed in the way of life that Jesus showed. We discovered that uh, Christian disciples are to live a life which is constantly dealing with God in all matters and letting Jesus Christ permeate every facet of our lives. The growth of those claiming to be Christian disciples is discerned in their love for and service of all others, not just those within their own little close circle of friends and acquaintances. The world out there is watching us And I know they're watching because they tell me that they are watching us. I talk to them. And you know what, folks? Each church is only one generation from closing down. So let's go from here. Let's go from here determined to be transformed people. Living, growing and serving for the glory of God the Father through your master servant Jesus Christ, the Son in the creative power of of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. And as I close tonight, here's two churches. First one is Roberts' house in Boring Point. Uh, it was left to the Karura, Anglican Karura Parish in December 1967 by Miss Elizabeth Roberts. No, she's no relation. Mrs. Roberts, or Miss Roberts, better get that right, held Bible studies and fellowship meetings in her house for many years. And it was her intention that her home be made into a church after her death. And it's now used by the Anglican Church in the parish of Karura, mainly for outreach to the youth. And the other one, the chapel, well that was established in 1917. And guess what? It's closed and it's for sale. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that you have been here through your spirit. Pray that we may leave here changed people. That we may leave here with something more to do so that your son will be glorified in the power of the spirit who lives within us. Help us to be ever reaching out into our community, showing them our service and love of you so that those people may come to us and say, wow, you're a Christian? Tell me about it. And we ask all these things, Father, through your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.